right. Welcome everybody out there that you're uh, watching. Amateur Radio Roundtable, a show about ham radio, shortwave, electronics, you name it, we do it here. Maybe even a few other things. Hey, if you're out there listening on shortwave tonight on WBCQ, we'd like to hear from you. Send us an email to tom at w5kub.com and tell us where you are and how you're hearing the station tonight. Join our Facebook group. We've got 14,000 members in our Facebook group. Uh, it's just just type in W5KUB up in the search and you'll find it there. And also, if you will, uh, let's see if you will, on our YouTube channel, if you will hit the subscribe button, it should be right about there on your screen. Hit the subscribe button. That helps YouTube to, um, you know, uh, kind of advertise our show to people that are looking for, for uh, subjects similar to what we're uh, what we're doing so do all that we'll be uh, grateful to you um let's see i was trying to think if there's anything else a little later in the show i'm gonna find out what glenn brought me back from uh hamvention you know he's supposed to bring me a nice gift so uh i'm gonna be waiting for that uh the suspense is building up uh we've got rich with us tonight and in the second half of the show we're basically going to look back uh, with a uh, interview that Katie and I did with Chip uh, Margelli uh, about uh, about seven years ago. And it's just a great video. The video quality was good. So I thought it would be appropriate to uh, to play that tonight. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Chip too uh, as, uh, as we uh, get into that video. Let us see what we've got going here. Uh, we've got, uh, hey, we've got Rich with us tonight, and we've got Glenn with us tonight. Let me let me pick up Glenn first. Glenn, how you doing, Glenn? Oh, I'm doing good. You know, been a busy weekend and stuff, but things are starting to settle down a little bit. So we're getting there slowly but surely. Um, okay. Well, and uh, working on the new book as much as I can. Uh, that was planned for this weekend. And as we mentioned in the pre-show, there was uh, other events that took place that uh, tied up the whole weekend. And uh, you won't see her on the show tonight, but uh, uh, Shadow had to have some uh, emergency surgery on Sunday. Uh, prognosis is good. She's That's right good. over here chilling and drugged and i want whatever she's on but you know well, you know she's doing good yeah you know if he recovers fast it may be some pills left over you can take them <laughs> no yeah. she's getting them all well I, I i took some pills the other day let me tell you i mean you, uh, there's good news and bad news the the, the good let's see what how do you how do you say this the good news is the good news is i won't have any uh heartworms or or, or fleas for a while right well, now, the bad you know, news was I got the wrong pills. Okay. Right. Well, these bottles were all marked, you know, you know, courtesy of Woodstock. So she's right. she's doing right. real good. All right. Well, that's the that's that's great, Jeremy. Uh, uh gee. Okay. Uh well, let's just get into it real quick here before we get to Rich. I want to know what you brought me, man. I mean, the suspense has been building. You're supposed to bring back this great pri a present from from Hamvention since I didn't go. What what did you get me? Well, um, I tried to get you something really, really nice. I even sent you a picture of it last week. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was a beautiful Henry 2K amp oh, yeah, on a solid. yeah, uh, on the cabinet and everything, but they wouldn't yeah. ship it COD. So 
Didn't get that for you. Well, but you drove up. You could have brought it back yourself, right? I you did not have that much room and weight yeah. allowance in my car. That's well, a nice amp. I, I do remember the picture, but I really don't don't need it, I guess. Okay. Yeah. So right. wait, and in second place. Yeah, well, second. We're gonna give you your choice. You can have oh. your choice of AWRL hats. Yeah. You can have the gray or the navy. Woo. Yeah, I'll have to think about that a while. That, that's that's a yeah, but I I know you don't have any of these. Is that all you came back with? For you. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> For me, I I actually didn't buy a lot of stuff other than odds and ends this year. Nothing right. nothing all really right. major. All right. Well, I know you I I, I heard I, I've been talking some other hands. I heard you did get me something really nice. You just didn't want to talk about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. Well, we don't want the IRS to, to, to get true. their sticky fingers. And, into this. and I understand it's really, really nice. And I, Hey, you shouldn't have done it. I'll just say that you shouldn't have done it, man. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's, uh, let's jump over not to, done. Uh, yeah, let's jump over to Rich and see what's going on up in New Jersey, man. Hey, Rich, how you doing? Hi there. How are you doing? I've doing good. Coming off a very busy weekend of, uh, not having any time to get on in the WPXCW contest, um, <clears throat> doing lots of grandpa stuff and uh, some gardening chores as well. That basically took up uh, just about all the long weekend. Busy, but but good. And uh, the weather here has been great unless you're a plant. Uh, we haven't had any yeah. rain in two weeks and don't have any in the forecast. So a lot of that gardening time was spent watering plants that should be rained on so well it's starting to get hot here man you know that water don't stand the ground out here long you know today it was only about 70 here but by the end of the week it's supposed to be in the low 90s so yeah. we'll be following close behind you there <clears throat> so and of course we were you know totally shocked with the news about chip um coming in last friday and yeah. uh it's just awful. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it, it is. And we're going we're gonna to talk about Chip. We're going to kind of remember him uh, in the second part of the show and just kind of dedicate the next uh, half of the show to, uh, to Chip. Uh, Chip was a good friend of ours. Uh, we've known him for a long time. And uh, it just, man, it's, uh, it, it was a shock, like you say. I think one of the incredible things about Chip is that he was a good friend of just about everybody. Um, yeah, and yeah. Uh, that's, you know, one, one of the greatest things about him is he was, you know, as I wrote in a piece that we just put out an uh, email and uh, online today, in, in a hobby full of really nice and really knowledgeable people, Chip was among the nicest and the most knowledgeable of everybody. And oh, yeah. Yeah. very freely shared his knowledge, his incredible adventures of DX around the world, and uh, just, you know, being a good friend. And that's, uh, it's, it's very sad to lose him, particularly uh, at a relatively young age. So, uh, yeah, I know what you mean here. Yep. Well, look, hey, let's talk uh, about CQ Magazine. And sure. then, 
then we can move on into uh, some of the video we got with uh, with Chip here. But tell us what's going on with CQ and uh, what's coming up. All righty. Well, <clears throat> June issue uh, digital should be in people, subscribers' video library or uh, Zinio libraries on uh, Thursday, June the 1st. And uh, we, I, last I heard, we've gotten the presses rolling again, so the print issue should be on the move as well. Um, not quite yet June, but we got to get, uh, we gotta, April should be going out this week. We have to, the postal regulations say that we have to send them out in order so we can't skip ahead and then bounce back. So in June, we are um, actually starting out with our, our News Bites item, which is uh, usually not one of our featured items, but this time it is. It's a prediction of an early peak to cycle 25 by the same group of solar physicists led by Scott McIntosh, um, who have correctly so far predicted that this would be a much stronger cycle than the official NASA um, prediction panel put together. So he thinks that uh, it could be that it peaks this year or next year rather than the predicted time frame of 2025. So that's something to keep watch for and uh, be sure to take advantage of whatever conditions uh, are out there that are gonna be helpful. Um, this issue is a mini Balan and antenna special. We've got a bunch of articles, like five articles on Balans and antennas. And for those who are not familiar with the term of Balan, is really an acronym for balanced to unbalanced. If you think about a dipole antenna, it's balanced, the same on each side. And then you've got a piece of coaxial cable, it's unbalanced because the center conductor and the shield are different from each other. So to get them to connect properly and transfer the energy properly, you'll need a balance to go between a balanced and unbalanced. So we've got a couple of articles here called, one is by K1BUK on experimenting with the Guanella Ballon, a computer aided design approach. And then uh, K3MT has an article on the Bramham 60 degree Ballon or actually impedance transformer. One of the things he talks about in the article is why you really shouldn't call this one a Ballon, but an impedance transformer. And then for our CQ Classic, we go back to our first article on balance in 1952 uh, with basic theory and design of balance. And basically, it hasn't changed in the past 70 years. So that's a, a good refresher course on the basics of balance uh, in this issue. And then on the antenna side, K3MT is back as our guest antennas editor this month. Um, Kent was up to his ears in real work that he gets, you know, real money for. So he, he uh, had to let uh, the column slide this month. So uh, Michael K3MT has a piece on a three band vertical beam for 80, 40, and 20 meters called a tri vertical. And that's wow. uh, really interesting stuff you know you think about beams being horizontal primarily um and not necessarily for the low frequencies because they get to be too big but this is uh 
the tri-vertical for 80, 40, and 20. And then our medium and low frequency editor, speaking of lower low bands, he's got some thoughts on transmit antenna design for 630 and 2200 meters. That's, you know, a whole different mm. ball game down below the broadcast band there. Among some of our other articles, we have a piece from K2ATY on DMR, that's digital mobile radio on land and sea. He talks about how you can keep in touch with friends back home while you're traveling and even on a cruise. Um, so that's, uh, and you can, it's uh, interesting stuff. He's got a little travel router and a hotspot that shows you how to put them all together to keep yourself in touch with uh, the ham world via DMR. I have a very interesting and kind of disturbing story by uh, our at-large editor in South America, Martin Butera, PT2ZDX and LU9EFO, about a situation in Ecuador where the government there is proposing a spectrum use fee for basically everybody who's using the RF spectrum, like probably not cell phones, I'm guessing. Um, <clears throat> but uh, basically, they're planning to charge hams the same amount that they would charge a commercial broadcaster. And uh, the economy in Ecuador is not the greatest. And essentially, having to pay these fees if they're put into effect would put most of the hams in Ecuador off the air because it's just completely outside of their budgets. So hopefully bringing, shining a little light on it here will uh, help put some pressure on the government in Ecuador to take a second look and maybe, you know, exempt hams completely or at least um, make a, a much more reasonable fee to let them stay on the air. We have the results of the 2022 CQDX Marathon, which had uh, the highest participation ever. There was a 46.5% increase in participants. That's not just, you know, the number of people submitting logs, but the number of calls in the logs. Um, but there's a big participation log numbers. I'm sorry, that is log. We're 46% higher in uh, 2022 than they were in 21. So that's pretty amazing. W0RW, our favorite pedestrian mobile operator and writer, has a couple of pieces which we've put together and dubbed Have Radio Will Travel. He's got one piece about operating from the Capulan volcano in New Mexico, uh, up on the ridge of the volcano, and uh, second one operating on the beach, and uh, slightly different needs for each one. While we're traveling, we're and going to the beach, we have a piece on coming ashore for an island dinner by KF7ZN, who's uh, reporting on the 28th annual IOTA, or Islands on the Air, dinner at the Visalia DX convention. And uh, it's always an interesting event to attend if you are a DXer. And the banquet there is, uh, and the IOTA dinner are always very, very interesting. You just get to meet so many really top of the line DXers and again, that everyone is so generous with sharing information and tips that it's really, really a great opportunity. We got a couple of project articles. 
Um, W3MEO has a short piece on carbon renaissance, on reconditioning carbon microphones and, and getting them, get a little circuit for them to make sure that they will operate with modern radios. Um, these are the carbon mics are, are the ones that you would find in an old mm -hmm. style telephone. And uh, in fact, I remember, you know, making technical adjustments on the mic element and telephone, but take it out and bang it on the table a couple of times and loosen up the uh, carbon yeah. granules in there. Um, K8BYP has a piece on heat sink restoration for old electronics. It's something that's, you know, often overlooked when you're doing a restoration is heat sinks. And of course they're very important for transferring heat from components to um, the chassis or other cooling surface. And if you don't recondition those properly, you're not gonna have efficient heat transfer. So it's a very important piece for anybody who's interested in doing restorations of old gear. Moving into more current times, we have an introduction by JF1RWZ on IBP Beacon Now. IBP is the International Beacon Project, and he's put together a website. Um, I don't know if, if all of the viewers and listeners are familiar with the International Beacon Project. Uh, there are a bunch of beacons, I think it's 18 of them around the world, that operate in sequence, uh, transmitting at, at different power levels, and they transmit in CW. And uh, for those who have not yet learned to copy CW, they can be a little challenging to figure out what you're hearing. So he has a, a program put together, a web screen or website rather, that shows you which beacon is transmitting when. So you can have that up on your screen along with listening to it on your receiver. And using that, you can tell which beacon you're hearing so you know where the band is open to. Um, so that's a very cool program, particularly for people who have not yet learned enough CW to be able to copy them directly. And speaking of learning CW, we have a book review of Chris Rutkowski's book, The CW Way of Life which is a really, really fascinating book on, it's not just how to learn code, but it's, it's really an amazing piece um, on the way of, of thinking that helps you learn Morse code. Um, our, our review is by uh, David Ring, N1EA, who is one of a, a shrinking breed of professional telegraphers. He spent many years working in the Merchant Marine as a radio officer. And uh, on his first assignment, he uh, and his colleague on the ship they were on picked up a distress call from a sinking ship, all in CW. And so uh, he's a fascinating person himself. So he's, uh, but the, the, you know, in the book, Chris NW6V compares CW to music and music that you can feel and uh, thinking of it in terms of, of music rather than just dots and dashes can make a difference. You, you want the rhythm and the, the basically the melody. 
So it's a really, really interesting book. So anyone out there who is interested in learning CW and learning it so that you can be comfortable copying it, um, I would recommend this book to you. It's, uh, and I know, you know, there are a lot of people out there who are learning Morse code. It's really fascinating. 15 years ago when the code requirement was dropped, there was a lot of people who said that Morse would die without having it as a license requirement. And in fact, just the opposite has happened. Uh, interest has grown. Uh, even though you don't need to take it for your license anymore, it's become a challenge instead of an obstacle. And there are a lot of people out there who are learning Morse code because they want to, not because they have to. So there are a lot of different methods and opportunities of, of different ways to learn code, whatever works best for you. <clears throat> Among some of our columns, uh, in emergency communications, K3PFW continues his series called What You Gonna Do When the Lights Go Out? He wraps that up. And uh, kit building editor Joe, K0NEB, finishes up his piece on the Saguaro from DZ Kits and uh, tells us what he saw and heard at OzarkCon, which is uh, a fun conference. Analog Adventures editor KL7J writes about tank circuits which most of us have heard of, and most of us probably don't really understand either. So <laughs> it's a good good read. Um, in Ham Radio Explorer, Anthony K8ZT tells you how you can check into repeaters around the world without any special radios or anything else. It's uh, basically all about Echolink and how to make use of it. In our DX column, we take a trip to Vanuatu, South Pacific Adventure, the YJ0AD Expedition. And uh, that's a really cool story there. And uh, in contesting, we have a little project in there too called uh, Building an Automatic Malt Bell. In a lot of the big multi-op contest stations, every time somebody works a new multiplier, they uh, either manually or the software automatically rings a bell so that everybody else in the operating the station knows that you've operated or contacted a new multiplier. So Tim N3QE has a circuit for building your own automatic moat bell. And speaking of contesting, our QRP editor, KA8SMA, offers some contesting strategies for the QRP operator. And finally, in propagation, uh, Thomas NW7US fills us in on what to expect for field day at the end of June and talks about angstroms, which uh, if you don't know what they are, you'll have to read the article and see. So those are the highlights of what's coming up in the June issue of CQ. Um, there's more. I just don't have time to talk about everything. And uh, I am pretty sure that our spring fever special is still on. So if you go to our website at www.cq-amateur-radio.com, you can take advantage of that special and both uh, the digital and print editions. And uh, that's what we've got coming up for you in June. All right. Well, well great. Hey, a couple questions. Uh, NW7US, isn't he your space uh, editor or something? He's our propagation editor, yes. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, I got a note from him uh, at, at uh, Hamvention that uh, he, he ended up in the hospital. Is he doing okay? Yeah, he's doing fine. He's home, um, and uh, he's uh, putting the finishing touches on his July column right now. Yeah, he had uh, yeah. some issues out there and uh, ended up uh, taking an ambulance ride to the hospital in Xenia and then yeah. got moved to another hospital for a while, and he's finally back home. Well, that's but terrible. He, he, he lives in Ohio, so it's not uh, like he was stuck a thousand yeah. miles away yeah. from home. But you know what a bummer! You go to you go to you yeah. go to Hamvention the first day you're there. You get a ambulance ride to the hospital. I think he was in critical care condition there for a while. So I'm glad he's doing better. Glad he's doing better. Yeah. Hey, you also mentioned the Beacon Project, um, mm-hmm. and uh, Glenn Glenn is very aware of this. He's working on something similar to this. But this is um, this is a little indicator for the Beacon Project. Have you seen one of these, Rich? Oh yeah. Definitely. That's and what it is basically, like you said, there's a frequency for each of the bands, and we've got little LED lights here, and it's all synchronized by atomic clock. And um, and what happens is it will uh, it will actually the light when uh, say when Africa is transmitting on 20 meters, the light will light up in Africa, and you can tune your radio to the 20 meter frequency. And if you hear if you hear the CW and that light is on, you know the signal's coming from uh, uh, Africa. So this is not a receiver. A lot of people think this is a receiver. I think it's got an atomic clock in here just to to synchronize the clock. This is not a receiver. It just synchronizes to the time slots that you were talking about, and uh, and then you have to use your receiver to to tune in those frequencies and match them up with the light so you'll know where it is and 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 they transmit i think they transmit like 10 watts and then maybe one watt and then i I think they start out at 100 watts then 10 and then one or something like that yeah yeah the power Um, is getting lower and lower so you you can check the propagation there so cool they start out at at a higher level and then drop down yeah yeah, the, that MFJ monitor is very similar to what this website is about. Um, you know, the website is available if you don't have space in your shack for that or <laughs> in your budget. Uh, well, I don't have space. Yeah, <laughs> but it's uh, it's an well, alternative. Cool. Basically, does the, does the same thing as the uh, MFJ um, beacon monitor without being in its own box. Yeah, and again, no receiver here. No receiver. Uh, Glenn, you're working on some secret project. Are you still working on this? Wait, 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 Glenn, I don't hear you. I think you muted, Glenn. Are you muted? Yeah, Glenn's muted. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I am uh, putting a receiver in mine with an Arduino and replacing those LEDs with uh, red, green, blue LEDs. Oh. Uh, and um, that will indicate if you heard it and then whether you heard it on the high or low power settings. Oh, that's cool. And, that's very uh, good. and it will use a GPS for time <clears throat> sync. So you don't need the atomic clock. And that's, I've got all the parts here. I just need time to build it, but it's oh. right next to the workbench. You're just doing some uh, amazing stuff there. Cool. Yeah. It, yeah that, right. That's the power of the Arduino. You can have all sorts of so, fun and all I need is a little <laughs> receiver. 
All right. So, hey, Rich, thanks so much for uh, sharing with us next month there. Sounds like some interesting stuff going on there. Yeah, Um, I want to see the antennas. Yeah. So, um, you know, hey, guys, tonight we're going to talk a little about uh, um, Chip. And I know uh, Chip worked for CQ for a while. So, yeah, you know, you want to talk about that uh, for a second? Um, Yeah, he spent a a few years in the, I guess, about 10 years ago now, 20. 10, 11, 12 area as our advertising manager. Um, he joined us when we had two longtime advertising managers, uh, Arnie Spazato and 2IQO and uh, Don, who I can see in front of me and I'm blanking on his last name right now. Uh, <laughs> I'm very embarrassed that I can't remember his well, name right, right now. Right. But in any event, he joined us uh, and and spent uh, a couple of years as our advertising manager, um, then uh, moved on to, um, I guess he had, and he spent close to 30 years with Yesu. And yeah. uh, then when he left there, he went to Ohio Sound for a few years and came to us and then moved on to, um, I believe it was Innovantenas uh, before settling down a little bit at uh, Ham Radio Outlet, where, of course, his wife, Janet, KL7MF, is a store manager. Uh, and he was working in their IT area for the last few years and just retired end of last year. Yeah. So. Well, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, we've got, we've got a lot of new hams that have come around since Chip was on the Tonight Show. Uh, and... Uh, uh, it's been a number of years ago, and uh, I've, I'm going to play that clip here. Uh, YouTube will probably send me a nasty note for copyright, but that's okay. Uh, so, uh, guys, uh, some of you know this, and for you for you guys that don't know Chip, Chip actually was on the, with uh, Jay Leno uh, years ago. I think it was uh, 2005. 2005. Yeah. 2005. That was 17 years ago. So, we got a lot of new hams since then. Probably never even heard of this, but uh, back then text was going really big, you know, on your phone, you know, the texting. And they had the world, they had this teenager on uh, that was the world's fastest texter. He held the record for fastest texting. So they had a shootout between Morse code and texting. And I'm going to show you the video of Chip on, on the... Um, Jay, with Jay Leno there, was it called the Tonight Show then? I guess it was. Yes, I mean, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, on the Tonight Show. So we're going to look at the clip here. It's about it's about thirty seconds long. I I don't think it's the entire clip, but uh, you'll get to see uh, the fun and what uh, what happened here. So uh, let me uh, let me bring this up. And I strongly that, I'm say good night to everybody. Yeah, good night, Rich. All right, and hey, you're welcome. Stick around with us or leave whenever you want to. Okay, thanks. All right, man. Thank you. And I strongly recommend that everybody watch the full length version of this. It is just phenomenal. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny. So here here we go. Let's see if we can get this playing here. When I say ready, set, go, when I say go, flip over your card and send the message to your partner at the other desk. Okay? Ready, set, go. Yell out as soon as you have the message and then read me the message. You can hear the Morse code. Can you hear it going on? Yes, I can. Very exciting. <laughs> See who is faster. Yeah. 
All right. So you saw the shootout right there. Uh, you saw the shootout between uh, Chip and the, the, the text uh, teenager there, CW1. And um, I don't know, you know, I, keyboards have come a long ways. I, I honestly think back then on, on text, uh, you remember the keyboard, the text keyboards where you had to hit a letter sometimes three times to get the right letter? Right, the old Nokia phone type yeah, stuff. Yeah, the old phones. I don't know if they had that or not, but boy, that would have been tough to do. I don't it? know. But Those they, look more like Blackberries. I'm not oh, sure. Did they? Yeah. Anyway, hey, that was the uh, uh, CW versus Tex with Jay Leno there and CW1. And uh, uh, Chip did a pretty good job sending. And if you play that back, it's on YouTube. Just do a search for Tex versus uh, CW versus text, and uh, you'll find it. Listen to the code. He did a really good job. I do think he messed up on one letter. I've listened to it, and I don't remember what it was, an E or something. I don't know what it was, but I think he missed one letter out of all that. But also, if you were you know, growing up around then, uh, uh, it was a pretty common phrase. I just saved a bunch of money with my car insurance, so yeah, I don't know. But uh, that, was, uh, that was really cool there. Uh, let's see. Let's see what they're saying in the chat room here. Uh, let's see. Yeah. yeah. Chuck was just saying what the message was, but I, that, that to me is just one of the, you know, the best amateur radio promotional <laughs> clips you'll ever see for CW in particular. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Hey, it was, it was a lot of fun and Hey, ham radio got on a tonight show. That's just really, really cool there. And, uh, but you know, I, I talked to Chip about that afterwards and he said, man, the pressure, the pressure was really there, man. I mean, you know, you got this crowd out there all laughing and Jay's making comments and jokes and, you know, you don't know if you're going to win or not. And uh, mm -hmm. he said the pressure was on and he knew that if he did not do a good job there, he would never live it down. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, he did it. He did a fabulous job yeah, with it. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, a little later uh, in the show, uh, I've got a, I got a text, I've, I've got a, I got a video here where there was another uh, CW basically contest and he whistled the Morse code. You know, <laughs> I can't whistle. He whistled an entire message, man. Yeah. It's amazing. It, it was uh, it was starting to get a little little uh, squeaky. I think he had uh, what do you call it? I think it was starting to chirp there toward the end. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, so hey, we're gonna we, we got a we got a video here. It's a little long, but I want to play it. We may stop it in between and talk about some of the things. Uh, Chip was with us. Uh, uh, I mean, I've seen Chip many many times at uh, different ham fest and and around and uh, but uh, Chip has been on our show a number of times and this is an interview that we picked out katie was with us uh he's a close friend of katie and uh the video quality was good and i thought the interviews and the, the thing were good and you'll learn a lot about chip here um and uh this was about seven years ago actually so it, it's kind of dated but then again it's, uh, it's it's good to watch so let me see if we can get that going here That's not it. And that's not it. 
You're running out of tabs there. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put us back on. I'm going to put us, let's see. I'm going to put us back on until I find it. I had it up here a minute ago. Let's see, live streaming. Let's see what this one is. Morris. Okay, I know where it is. I know where it is. I know where it is. I can get it right here. I, I, let me let me uh, let me hear you hear you again. I know you went to the dentist earlier, right before the show. Are you talking okay tonight? I hope so. All right. I can hear myself though. Can you? I must have something wrong. Uh oh. Well, yeah. that's what that dentist does to you sometimes. Well, hey, you must have put something in my feelings. Yeah, put one of those little. You know, I always hear about they put the little radio or something, or the 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 uh, the filling in your tooth becomes a detector, and you pick up radio stations. Maybe that's what he did. But it, well, it, you know, when we lived out by Devil's Tower, I could have said, you know, it was to contact the aliens. Yeah. All right. Well, Katie, tell us um, tell us what what you got for us tonight. Well, you betcha. I um, once again roped a friend of mine into uh, showing up tonight on the show and sharing a bit of of his ham radio life. And uh, it's my pleasure to um, introduce Chip Margelli, K7JA, and bring him onto the show this evening. I have known Chip since about, let's see, 2007 at, um, where did we first actually meet? It must have been down in Florida at um, Orlando. Ham Beach. Orlando, Orlando Hamcation. I was a staff member for the ARRL, and at the time, um, Chip was down there with his wife, Janet, KL7MF, and also hanging out with the one and only Ellen White, W1YL. And so that was probably a life-changing weekend for me when a friendship was formed and um, the foundation was built. And here we are this many years later. And um, Chip is one of my best friends in the world and someone I talk to on a daily basis. And now we actually work together as well, which is really kind of cool. Um, we've traveled together. We go to a lot of ham fest together. And um, Chip has been a ham for longer than I've been alive. Sorry, sorry Chip. All right. <laughs> this, this, this interview is over. I know. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but um, you Chip, really I think. You owe me now, girl. I know. I hope you guys are here. That so. Uh, I thought it would be kind of fun to um, to talk to Chip. I mean, so many people know about Chip having been on the Jay Leno show, which we will talk about at the end of um, his presentation. But there's a ton of things that Chip has done with Ham Radio, which I think are so interesting. And I feel like every time I talk to him, he's always building a new antenna um, and playing for a new satellite. One day he turned the uh, the speaker on so I could hear him, and we were listening to what was it a, a ten meter or two meter beacon in Hawaii, Hawaii something would, like that. Would have been either two meters or four thirty two on uh, Hawaii uh, via tropos tropospheric ducting on two meters. Really exciting. Yeah, I didn't even know things like that were possible. So for me, um, besides being a you know a great friend, he's a great mentor and teaches me something all of the time. And um, so I thought maybe he would have something for all of us to learn from from his many years of experience and and fun with him radio because that's you know no matter what he's doing, he always is having fun with it because if it's not fun, why bother? And with that, I would like to say, Chip. 
let's start off with uh, when did you first become a ham and how did this whole time begin? And I'll let you uh, do what you need to do to get your presentation started. So bear with us okay. for one second, folks, while we get that. Yeah, everybody, started. hang on just a second here and bada bing and bada boom and let's make some magic. Start. <laughs> and then, there we go. You got it okay over there? Yeah, it looks great. Yeah. Okay, great. I'm trying well, to, thanks, get, uh, trying to get you zeroed in uh, here. Tom, both of you, it's great to be on here tonight. And um, it, I guess it's a testimonial to our compatibility that uh, when, when I first met Katie when she was with ARRL, she had really short hair. And now she's got really long hair. And most people that know me would have predicted it would have gone the other way around. She would have really short hair now just from pulling it all out. But somehow <laughs> we've managed to coexist. And uh, uh, it's been uh, great having both her and Dwayne as uh, fast friends. Um, I'm going to take just a moment here to, to describe my march through the years of amateur radio. Uh, to answer your question, I got my first license in January of 1963. It's when I got my novice license. My uh, One of my playmates' uh, fathers was a ham, K, uh, K7ATF in Tacoma, Washington. And uh, his boy Steve and I would hang out a lot. We'd go on uh, hidden bunny hunts on six meter AM. Boy, those were the days, I tell you. Uh, Steve never got a license, but I did. So I'm not sure what that means in the grand scheme of things, but I've been a ham ever since. I got my general in 1964. You could only hold your novice license for uh, one year then, and then you had to upgrade. And um, so in 1964, I got my general, and then 1968, I took my extra exam before an examiner at the Federal Office Building in downtown Seattle. Uh, that doesn't uh, that doesn't present a scary thing for a uh, young teenager. Yeah, I don't know skip, let me, I mean, uh, although chip. I think it, uh, it uh, steeled me for what was to come in uh, much later years. Well, Chip, let me anyway. let me just say, uh, hey, I, I did the same thing as you. At, at 1964, novice, general, I went down to Memphis, Tennessee to take the test with the FCC, so I know exactly what you went through. Yeah, and uh, it just it was somewhat nerve wracking, and although I think the adrenaline probably increased my code speed by about twenty five percent, and uh, I had no difficulty transcribing perfect copy at twenty words a minute. Fortunately, on that uh, on that day, um, I grew up in Tacoma, Washington, and was a member of the Tacoma Radio Radio Club of Tacoma W seven DK. Um, that uh, is the second. Uh, oldest continuously active radio club in the United States, and they are actually celebrating their 100th anniversary. Their centennial is this year. And in mid-October, I'm going to go up for their uh, centennial banquet, and I'm going to be the keynote speaker there. So that, that should be a lot of fun. We're hoping to have quite a reunion up there. W7DK did a lot of things in those days, but one thing they were really known for were epic field days. They had a location out at, on a dairy farm that belonged to one of their members, Joe Asplund, W7IG. And they would go out there with trailers and tents and everything in the classic style. And um, this location was absolutely 
the dream location for any worthwhile HF ham. It was utterly quiet, surrounded by forest for 20 miles in every direction. There was no power line noise, no nothing noise, and you could hear a pin drop across the planet. And of course, in the in the 60s, uh, especially the very early 60s and then the late 60s, uh, we actually had sunspots. And so when the sun would get going, uh, uh, you could really work around the world uh, 24 hours a day on many bands. And it was a very different situation than today. Anyway, uh, the W7DK crew had some great field days. You can see a, a really a fancy mobile set up there in the bottom right. They, uh, they really knew, knew how to do it in style. But the, those field days uh, were something that got me going. I really cut my feet in many aspects of ham radio, uh, figuring out about antennas, contest operating, teamwork uh, from my first field days there at W7DK, and it uh, served me uh, well in coming years. Now, from home, um, you know, those were those were kind of tough times for a novice, especially. I had a, a Heathkit HX11, a little 50-watt input uh, or maybe 75 watt input transmitter there. And you see that silver uh, plate on the left side of it there. Uh, that was where you could plug in and unplug your crystal. To change frequencies, you had to uh, change crystals because the novices weren't allowed VFOs in those days. You folks don't know how easy you have it. Um, and then my receiver was the Halicrafters S120. It was a really fun shortwave listening receiver, but for DXing, it had a whole quarter inch of band spread on uh, 15 meters. So uh, between that and having to call CQ on 21-150 and then tune around, uh, DXing was a bit of a challenge. I had four DX contacts as a novice, and when I walked into the FCC office to take my general test, I was actually sort of big man on campus. The people thought that was quite amazing that I had even worked for DX contacts. So bottom of the cycle in the Northwest with modest equipment was uh, a little bit tough. But um, you learn how to be crafty when you have modest equipment to start, like so many of us did. That's, uh, that's how you learn to be uh, skillful. Well, after several years of working DX uh, and, and working some contests from home with uh, fairly simple equipment, uh, I got invited to join up with the uh, the fledgling W7RM contest crew up at Foulweather Bluff, Washington, a uh, ferry boat ride and a half hour drive away from Seattle. Um, W7RM had a just a fantastic location on a peninsula, had salt water on three sides of it, the main part of Puget Sound to the left, Strait of Juan de Fuca, uh, I'm sorry, main part of Puget Sound was to the right, uh, to the east. Straight ahead was the Strait of Juan de Fuca, and to the left was Hood Canal. So we had uh, salt water on three sides and then sloping downhill uh, to the south. Uh, spectacular location, and you can see from the antennas, remember this is 1970 vintage. Uh, this was big stuff. The top picture there is 6 over 3 over 3 over 3 on 15 meters. Uh, top right is a two-element 80-meter beam uh, rotary. It was big enough because it never lasted through a winter, so it was big enough. Uh, bottom right is a three-element 40 full-sized Yankee with an eight-element 10-meter beam on the same boom. And to the bottom left was our secret weapon, which was an array of beach verticals, a couple of four-element arrays on 40 meters and a four-element array on 80 meters. 
with a 200-foot bluff in back of them. These were facing to the northwest for Japan and to uh, uh, the north-northeast for Europe. And they were really spectacular. We could get down to about a half a degree, one degree takeoff angle, so we could engage cordal hop propagation, which took away intervening hops that hit the earth. We just go tick, 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 tick off the ionosphere and save 16 dB per hop doing that. And with about 60 dB of front to back ratio, I think you can imagine that um, we could just about hold down any frequency that we wanted to because we could hear better than anybody on the continent. Uh, those were heady times. We had a, just a great, great crew of folks. Uh, uh, gosh, uh, Danny Eskenazi, K7SS, Homer Spence, uh, K7RA, uh, Johnny uh, Kiesel, KE7B, Paul Kiesel, K7CW now, uh, Bob March, N7UA, uh, Rex, uh, K7QQ, um, and a lot of uh, guest operators would come up. Uh, Don Reboff, just lots of folks came up there. But those were special times. And to put it in perspective, uh, we actually won multi-operator, multi-transmitter contests from up there. This was a time in which uh, Japan was going through dramatic growth in amateur radio. And uh, we were able to bury the rest of the country with our JA contacts. We couldn't keep up with the East Coast with countries, with multipliers, but the volume of contacts that we were able to generate, uh, both on CW, but especially on phone, served us extraordinarily well. And we uh, we really had some great success there. Um, along the way, I thought it uh, prudent to learn Japanese. And so, uh, uh, at first, a rush uh, W7RM was a little skeptical and would be perfectly happy if we did 60 to 80 contacts an hour to Japan. But he listened to a, a, a few minutes of uh, Goku Marasan, Goku Marasan, Donafaka, uh, and, and things like that. And uh, the, with the first hour of Japanese coming in at 162 contacts on 15 phone, he, uh, he uh, decided maybe the Japanese stuff was okay. Great times there at W7RM and uh, probably times that will never happen again because the East Coast has now got volume of contacts of their own and the Japanese have pretty much uh, quieted down in terms of volume. Well, of course, uh, I, I couldn't stay in high school forever and I uh, was off to college at the University of Washington, go dogs. Um, absolutely gorgeous campus, as many of you know, uh, and also uh, dormitory Terry Hall. I uh, had a beautiful uh, four-bay system on two meters with which I was able to work quite a distance, especially using Mount Rainier as a reflector. I was able to point that uh, array at Mount Rainier, which was to the southeast, and uh, get into Vancouver, British Columbia on a reflection. Uh, the Vancouver repeater would be about 20 over 9 on the reflection off of Mount Rainier, but only about S7 off a uh, direct path to the north. So that was great fun until the head resident made me take it down. Bummer. Well, after I got my MBA and graduated in 1976, I was uh, I put in an application in Japan and uh, was uh, awaiting a visa. So I uh, took off and did a little de-expeditioning for the 1976 uh, All-Asia DX contest in August. I visited Len Coffer, KG6SW, who in later days was KH0AC, and most sadly is a silent key now. And I went out there uh, to work the All Asia DX contest. The picture in the bottom right uh, is oh, the view over my shoulder is towards Japan, and atop that thousand foot hill, uh, yeah, it wasn't fair. So had a lot of fun. 
and uh, and uh, stop over uh, go en route to Saipan. We actually had a very nice uh, get together with um, Nose uh, Katashi Nose KH six IJ, who took us to the um, uh, took us up to Diamond Head and showed us uh, the tunnels and everything. Uh, and that was a very exciting time, and we. Uh, we got together also, of all people, with Johnny Johnston, uh, the FCC, who was out there speaking at the uh, Honolulu Radio Club. So uh, I was completely wide-eyed at this point, and it was just getting started. A little later in the year, the visa hadn't come through, so I headed for the Caribbean uh, for CW and sideband sweepstakes from the Virgin Islands, KB4FZ, Herb Schoenbaum's place on uh, Fort Ruiz Augusta. Um, and then uh, to KP4AST, uh, Pedro Pisa, who is now NP4A for the CQ Worldwide DXCW. Had great success there, uh, won the worldwide for the world from uh, Pedro's place. Uh, took uh, first place on CW and second place sideband from Herbs and Sweepstakes. And then uh, uh, Johnny Kiesel, KE7V, and I did some island hopping to St. Lucia, Dominica. And uh, to, uh, I was on from Antigua. Uh, while Johnny was on from Montserrat uh, as VP2 app. So fun times to getting together and traveling and, and making new friends throughout the Caribbean. Well, it came to be 1977, and it was really time to get into this career thing. Um, after the Saipan uh, part of the journey, I went up to Japan for two, uh, for two weeks and walked, uh, walked the streets, talked to some people, saw the way everything was there. And as I got on the airplane, I said, Chip, don't even think about it. Don't even go there. It's not, don't even think about it. <laughs> One year later to the day, I got on an airplane and moved to Tokyo. So <laughs> terrific. Uh, did did you right. apply for that job or they found yes, you? Or I, that I wrote a letter to the president of, uh, of uh, Yesu, uh, Mr. Sako Hasegawa, JE1MP. And we worked things out that uh, I was able to go over there and spend uh, two and a half years working for Yesu um, as assistant to the president. Yesu was just starting to introduce a very high performance line of equipment, really their first foray into the high performance line uh, with the FT-901. High dynamic range, uh, excellent linearity, uh, good receiver performance. And they, I guess, recognized that they needed to communicate uh, the capabilities of their equipment uh, in, a, in a powerful way. And so uh, I joined up with this company that had really the greatest production capacity. And to this day, I think they still have the longest uh, production line in the amateur radio industry. Here's some pictures of it from about 1977. Uh, precision stuff then, and same thing to this day. It was quite the quite the operation. It looks uh, like a I, massive factory. Oh yeah, it really was. It was uh, several hundred feet long, and they could they could turn out quite a few radios per day, um, even with extensive testing. Uh, I was charged, among other things, uh, besides bringing you know the, the an American outside view of DXing and contesting and operator requirements, I was charged with creating a, a whole new generation of written documentation, uh, whether it be brochures or instruction manuals or service manuals, all of which I translated from Japanese uh, into English. And so for the better part of 30 years, if it, if it was in English, uh, it came from, came from my typewriter. 
and then from my computer. Um, and it was that was fun work being able to communicate what a new exciting radio would do. Um, and it, it was really a, a, a very interesting time to be with a company like Yesu, who was just really jumping into a whole new generation of equipment. Did you find it challenging to, for the technical pieces to make that translation so that it made sense? Uh, well, I knew what they were trying to say, and then I knew what it needed to say. And so okay. the translations were somewhat liberal. I, gotcha. I, I told the story the way it needed to be told based on the technical information that was there. Oh, all right. Well, cool. And along the way, of course, I, I really needed to get my head screwed on right. And so I, <laughs> I the smartest thing I ever did, and I stuck a ring on the finger of uh, one uh, Janet uh, Pageant's WA7WMB, who uh, curiously enough tossed away a, uh, a promising career as a broadcast engineer. He was a master controller at the PBS Associate at the University of Washington, as a matter of fact, the, at the uh, PBS affiliate there. And she uh, she tossed that away and in a very weak moment moved off to Japan with me and we uh, decided to <laughs> do this, this Japanese adventure together. So, uh, Chip, let me ask you, who, who's the, who's the uh, good-looking fellow there with the long, dark hair and the dark mustache here with Janet? Oh, that's somebody that kept Janet company while I was at the office. <laughs> the bell-bottom pants are the real good touch, don't you think? Oh, they, they look good. I think it's, I love that photo. <laughs> well, there were lots of adventures. Very soon after I dragged Janet over there in 1978, uh, we got invited to uh, participate in a Matsuri in Meguro with JA1RUR, who's photobombing us in that picture on the right. Um, he was uh, my QSL manager, actually, while I was in the Caribbean. And I had stayed with him on the first trip to Japan. And uh, he he was definitely good for uh, good for a, a few bottles of beer or lots of bottles of beer, and then getting people to commit to things like carrying a very heavy shrine around the streets of Megiddo. In the bottom picture there, you can see one of the problems with being a foot taller than anybody else out there. I had to had to you know crouch over to get under this silly thing. Uh, otherwise, if I just picked it up, the yeah, it would have a severe list to starboard, let's it say. It kind of looks like you're kind of hiding right there, you know? Well, that's just, <laughs> I wasn't hiding. That's just what it took to get my shoulder on this thing. And we're, we're, we're stomping around the streets of Megiddo shouting, Woshoi, Woshoi. And, and <laughs> our feet are killing us because we're wearing very, very thin white like stockings that provided no protection. And this went on for, you know, two, three, four hours. I don't know. Uh, fortunately, we had enough beer to wear the feet quit hurting after a while. <laughs> Those were great. I was going to ask if you use sake as a painkiller. Uh, that was after the beer. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was after the beer. Believe me, there was plenty of it flowing. Uh, Japan is a place that I had had a fascination with since I first started shortwave listening. I would listen to Radio Japan every night. I was fascinated by the culture. And um, to be able to live in Japan with all the challenges of being an expat in a country that really wasn't set up to have expats around, um, it was it was quite an experience. I lived completely on the economy. We did uh, probably a mile from anybody else who spoke English. We were completely isolated. Our apartment manager took us under her wing, and uh, Janet taught her how to cook 
Western style. And she had uh, she had us over every Monday night for uh, for curry rice and for uh, just telling stories and solving the problems of the world. We did quite a few things while we were in Japan. We climbed Mount Fuji. Uh, we went to a lot of temples and shrines. We went to the Yuki Matsuri, the snow festival up in Sapporo on Hokkaido Island, which was great fun. Uh, went down to Shizuoka, to Kyoto, uh, saw so many things, um, especially around the Tokyo area. Um, great country, great friends. Those are some of the folks from Yesu there with Janet as on the slope of uh, Mount Fuji. Uh, it was a, a stiff climb. It's really a long hike is all, but... You know, you're going through kind of loose pumice, and it's a series of switchbacks, back and forth, back and forth. We started at about 5,000 feet. Mount Fuji is 12,500 feet. About every 1,000 feet, there's a way station where you can get some, you know, some hot coffee or something sweet. Um, interesting thing was at about 10,000 feet at the way station, there was a bicycle. And it wasn't a mountain bike. It was a 10-speed. And to this day, we're trying to figure out what a 10-speed bike was doing up that very narrow uh, pathway. But we started climbing at sunset and we climbed all night. And thousands of people every night are climbing this mountain in the summertime. And all you can see is this back and forth, back and forth uh, parade of lights that people have on their head and the tinkle of the bells attached to their, uh, to their climbing sticks there. Uh, it's a surreal experience and uh, very humbling when a 95-year-old lady passes you on the on the trail saying, okay, on your left, yikes. Hamaridio <laughs> um, has afforded us not just the opportunity to live abroad, but to travel a number of places. That's one of the neat things about ham radio. You make friends on the air. And in a weak moment, they might say, well, when you're out in so-and-so, come visit me. Well, we're not shy about doing that. Um, we've been to, to Pompeii, used to be called Panapei in the Federated States of Micronesia. Uh, went there on our honeymoon, actually, and uh, went there several times thereafter. Uh, most recently in 2011, uh, saw the, uh, got to swim with the manta rays. We're there a few weeks before Christmas, so we had our Christmas picture taken there. Uh, won uh, the 10 meter contest multi up for Oceania, and just had a great time. Um, as uh, V63QQ and V63RR. 1984, we were invited by the Chinese Radio Sport Association to come over to Beijing. Now, this is seven years after the Cultural Revolution is all, so Beijing was not anywhere near what it is today. And we were invited to come over and help train the staff there at BY1PK in the operation of the equipment that Yaisu had donated for the 10 regional stations in China that were just now starting to get on the air in 1984. Um, and of course, we did some touring, which cut into our operating time. But the day that we came on the air um, in March of 1984, um, got on 20 meters. It was in the morning. I I said, okay, CQ, listening for ones only. And now all I could hear was hiss. And okay, W2s only. All I could hear was hiss. W3s only. Uh, and there's just hiss. Okay, W4s only. And 14150 to 14290 erupted with W4 stations. So I started going by state and you know, Virginia and North Carolina. And, and I got to uh, South Carolina, and I said, okay, I want Carolina DX Association only, and I have a membership list. And of course, their repeater absolutely went bonkers. 
And uh, sadly enough, we got through Georgia and I'm just about to hit the great state of Florida and all the lights went out. Oh. <laughs> the opera said, time for lunch. <laughs> this was this was a nine to five job for these guys. And at 12 o'clock, wow. it was time to go eat lunch. And so, oh, oh, oh no. I was just going to sit there and, and go all day until the states went away. Well, I had a little apologizing to do the next day, but we made quite a few thousand contacts. and. Um, Needless to say, we worked everybody with a 14 ABQ and 100 watts at the Carolina DX Association. Great stuff. Uh, I was also uh, afforded the opportunity to join up in 1989 with the 4J1FS uh, expedition to Maligasetsky Island. It was the first time a group from Finland, the USSR, which still existed at the time, and the United States to get together uh, to do a de-expedition. I was officially there as the satellite operator, made 650 some contacts on uh, satellite AO13, which was great fun. And I made quite a few thousand others on uh, just 20 meters and 15 meters and wherever else we were. In ZA1A, uh, I was invited to be part of the uh, operator and teaching team uh, with ZA1A in Albania, first uh, operation from Albania of any significance in you know five decades. Uh, we did, uh, still trying to remember how many contacts there, uh, 92,000, I think, contacts. I did about 16,000 of those. I was telling Katie earlier, uh, I was there for 10 days, and in those 10 days, I got 12 hours of sleep, six of which were in one night. Uh, when you're in something like that, you really get going, and you just you don't want to miss the opportunity to give somebody a contact. So. Needless to say, when I got home from that, I slept for a month. Uh, also, some fun stuff. In 1993 and 1995, uh, I was uh, organizer of a couple of promotional cruises for Yesu called the DX Kareem Cruises. Uh, we would go, uh, we left out of San Juan, or out of Aruba, I'm sorry, and uh, did the Southern Caribbean route with quite a few people. We did field day, literally every day of the cruise, uh, another island. I go a little, an hour before the rest of the crew on the shore excursion, set up antennas like crazy. Uh, people would come ashore, uh, make their contacts, go back. Uh, we go back, go, put the stations back together on board the ship, get into dinner attire, uh, do our thing at dinner, uh, get back to the station. And people would work all night on the radio. It was great fun. On the left there, you see uh, uh, Janet and me coming down. I think that was Curacao. Uh, and you see Janice holding VHF antennas. On the second cruise, we actually took moon bounce equipment for two meters and made quite a few dozen moon bounce contacts. And tell you what, setting up field day style for moon bounce from Mary Island is, is quite a thing. Uh, and everybody knows how much weight you gain on a cruise. Well, we each lost 10 pounds on each of these cruises. We were working so hard and so long. But uh, again, great fun with wonderful hams. Uh, we had uh, on the 1993 cruise there in the back, uh, you can see we had uh, uh, some of the crew. You can't really tell their faces, but third from the left in the maroon shirt in the back is Ron Paris, WA4SIR, the astronaut. Uh, Marta Delina, OH2BH is back there. Uh, Ellen White, W1YL is in there. It was great fun. We had guest speakers every night, silly games on the shore or on the, the day at sea. And, uh, very memorable times with great friends. I've heard about those cruises, and was it um, was it just those two years that uh, Yesu 
And were the Yesu sponsored, but everybody bought their tickets like normal yes, and the Yesu exactly. provided everybody equipment? Bought, yeah, everybody bought their tickets uh, as part of the, uh, you know, we had uh, the special pricing and everything for the group. And um, and so, yes, uh, just the two years, 93 and 95. And they were uh, both Southern, uh, Caribbean, um, routing. Uh, we had one. One proposal during there, uh, M6DEC, uh, Howard uh, proposed to his wife, Lori, uh, on the cruise. That was uh, that was fun stuff. And again, just, uh, just really uh, great times on the high seas. Uh, gee, last year we got, uh, as a part of our uh, trip to Puerto Rico for the Puerto Rico uh, section convention, we got to go to the Odyssey radio telescope, and we didn't just get to go to the telescope. We got to walk the catwalk up to the feed of the radio telescope. And you talk about a nerd uh, adventure. Uh, that really is something else. Of course, the catwalk uh, there is a little spooky at first. I, I kept having visions of short round in the... the um, Indiana Jones and the Temple oh, yeah. of Goop walking out on that <laughs> on that uh, catwalk and go look, lady, strong bridge, strong bridge, crash. <laughs> ah! hmm. But uh, it's 500 feet above the dish, the thousand foot dish there, and you can see uh, Angel uh, WP3R there, who's the operations director, uh, and the shadow of the feed platform there. The, the platform uh, and all the superstructure weighs 900 tons and is supported up there 500 feet above the dish. There's some mechanical engineering in, in play there. And to walk up there, get the opportunity to go up to that feed was extraordinary. Um, and we, uh, we've got a number of places for field day. We actually operated field day from Curacao on one of the cruises, but you know, like a half hour. We barely had any time there. But uh, in 2002, we went to the north uh, shore of Puerto Rico and operated as NP4A from Isabella with a group of the Puerto Rican hams. Um, the night after that, at a mofongo restaurant in San Juan, uh, we formed the Pina Colada Contest Club and decided, you know, asked the inevitable question, where do we go next? And we're talking about, oh, gosh, we could do, uh, you know, we could do the Virgin Islands, we could do Aruba, we could do blah, blah, blah. And I piped up, why don't we do Cuba? And everybody looked at me with this strange stare, like, are you out of your mind? And then they said, oh, why don't we do Cuba? And uh, so we put in an application for a specific license with the De Treasury Department at the uh, Office of Foreign Assets Control under the uh, category of um, uh, athletic and other performances, which was a specific category that they allowed. And they came right back and said, yep, that's exactly what we're talking about. Uh, the, the regulations called for um, involvement of the Cuban people to the greatest extent possible. Well, two busloads of members of the Havana Radio Club came out. Um, the regulations are there to encourage people-to-people -people contacts. Uh, we call those QSOs, folks. And, uh, and the uh, encouragement of uh, contact with everyday people, not government officials, uh, got taken care of because we get bonus points for being in a public place. And so all these things played very well. We had a great time. They even uh, gave us the call sign COZ0 Uncle Sam. 
and uh, to see uh, the Cubans chuckling as they called CQ uh, using CO0 Uncle Sam, uh, that great stuff. That's pretty epic. Yeah, it's fun stuff. We're ready to go back, needless to say. And then uh, three times we operated from St. Croix, U.S. Uh, Virgin Islands as KP2AA. Uh, you can see me uh, operating on SO50 satellite with my very important sign that says beat W2GD. Always, whatever you do, you got to beat W2GD. Hope you're watching, Trevelli. <laughs> of course, uh, anybody that knows me knows that I am a field day addict. Uh, some strange people in Wyoming named Dwayne and Katie got a good dose of that. And uh, we've been up there a couple of times for field day. Um, you can see me. Uh, connecting the coax to the six element Yagi for six meters. That's not just coax, that's half inch hard line. You know, in an emergency, you've got to have the very best. And so uh, it was pretty fun stuff. And we definitely enjoyed our trips to Wyoming. Um, I, I'm a serious junkie for field day. I don't do things halfway. You can top, top left is this past year at N6HC, a 10 and six meter array, six. Five over five on six meters and a nice uh, five element beam on 10 meters. Uh, satellite equipment down there below from W6ZE. And I'm kind of proud of this uh, K7JA uh, PMRL, the poor man's rocket launcher, which basically is an ABS tube that is hose clamped to a uh, steel uh, chain link fence post and then stoutly guide. And then up through that ABS from the bottom, you start shoving the stackable military mass that you find at the ham fests, and it makes a very effective mount for antennas. So in fact, both of these antennas in top left are on PMRLs. So great, uh, great fun. And uh, uh, the mother of invention is uh, the necessity to be loud on field day. Absolutely. These days, uh, besides working uh, behind the scenes, uh, doing IT work for HRO, I do a lot of... Uh, Master ceremonies gigs. I'm not quite sure how it came to be, but they get, fools give me the gavel and I pound it. Uh, I do a lot of convention duty, of course, uh, as need be. And uh, of course, I'm always planning for field day. Uh, I think this was this past year. You can say we got the uh, the TS 990 out there. Uh, got to make sure you got the very best on field day, and you know, emergencies call for that. And so it's great fun. Uh, of course, I'm always tinkering with antennas. Uh, the years of W7RM and all the years of field day have made me a wicked tinkerer for antennas. And I'm always changing things. There's my, uh, on the left side is the latest uh, tri-bander that I just put up, seems to work well. Latest satellite antennas are on uh, the right side. It's uh, crossed Yaggies on two meters, uh, six elements each polarization, and then a pair of Yaggies, uh, right-hand circular, uh, there on the left side of that boom uh, for 435. And I love to be up on the tower. I feel safer up there than I do on the 405 freeway. And it's uh, the view is great. <laughs> and, this, you know, there's not, nothing bad about a, a bad day of antenna work. There ain't no such thing. But, of course, we, uh, uh, whatever you want to be thinking about in terms of ham radio, uh, the travel opportunities and meeting up with great friends, especially ones you talk to on the air, are always there. Dwayne and Katie are there in Scotland uh, with us uh, a couple of years ago. It's hard to imagine. My you know, dear, dear, dear one, uh, dear one, MHU was asking a minute ago, no Scotland pictures. So there you are. There you go. 
Our dear uh, friend and, uh, and third mother, if you will, uh, Ellen White, W1YL, truly a legend in amateur radio, uh, decades on the headquarters staff at ARRL in Newington, uh, uh, in the communications department, uh, contest write-ups, and, and uh, a true legend in amateur radio. And she is now terrorizing uh, 40, uh, 80, 40, and 20 meter CW uh, via remote capability out to uh, uh, the West Coast in Nevada, doing uh, keeping up with her old buddies that she used to work before she had uh, moved to a townhouse. And so great fun. And uh, Ellen has just been a, a dear, dear friend for decades. And we, we love her to, just uh, with all our hearts. Uh, the, the Pina Colada Contest Club, bottom left, and of course the conventions, especially when you've got the bully pulpit, you get the honor of introducing famous people. There's Vice Admiral Scott Red, K0DQ, whom I had the honor of introducing uh, six years ago in Visalia at the International DX Convention. Needless to say, I was breathing air way above my pay scale when I made that introduction. But uh, great to go to conventions and see uh, the wonderful hams throughout the world. And, um, the world of DX, the world of contesting, has brought all these things to me. It's brought skill sets, uh, it's brought travel adventure, but most of all, it's brought great friends. Um, of course, there is one thing else uh, that the skill set also brought, uh, and I think uh, a few people know about this, 2006. And uh, with that, I will give it back to Tom and tell me when you've grabbed it so I can right. escape from here. All right. Well, hey, I love that picture there with Jay. That's, uh, that's something. Okay. Well, uh, I tell you what, uh, hey, it, it, it's been exciting so far, and we've got a lot more of uh, some fun and inter interesting things to talk about uh, while you're, uh, you're, you're coming back to us. Yeah, my mic turned off here. Okay. Wow. What a what an amazing trip we just took with Chip uh, over uh, his lifetime in, in, in ham radio. And uh, Chip has been everywhere and just about done everything. I know we've got a few people that came in late. Uh, and again, I want to play the little 30-second clip again. I'm just, I'm just amazed at this clip. It was just a neat thing that uh, uh, the Tonight Show did. And uh, we're going to play this clip one more time here. And uh, uh, for those that came in late, maybe you have never seen it before. So um, just to uh, let you know what this is, there was this contest between the world's fastest texture teenager and Chip in CW. CW versus texting. And this was on The Tonight Show. And uh, here it is. Let's see what we can see it here. And uh, we'll play it one more time. Mm, one more time. Here we go. Ready, set, go. When I say go, flip over your card and send the message to your partner at the other desk. Okay? Ready, set, FM, FM. Yell out as soon as you have the message and then read me the message. Most signals simultaneously. You can hear the Morse code. Can you hear it going on? Yes, I can. The S3 Bluetooth headset provides hands communication. See who is fast. Show your position. Force and speed with the new ready. Check the SDC. 
Guy's most popular. All right. Well, I had two uh, audios running at the same time. Let me stop it. Heck, I'll figure this thing out in a minute. Figure it out in a minute. Okay. Anyway, just wanted you guys to uh, to uh, see that. And uh, in case you've missed it over the years, that was 2005, I think, actually. So that's been about 17 years ago. All right. Well, hey, man. Um, well, hate to hate to have lost um, Chip here. He was a great friend, and uh, as you saw, uh, he's very involved in ham radio. Ham radio was a part of his life, uh, just about all of his life, all of his jobs, and everything he did, and everything he touched. Um, all right. So, hey, Glenn, what do you think, man? Did you? Uh, I I loved it. I just thought it was cool. You know, just such a great man. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, a lot of people don't know. I mean, hey, if you bought a Yezu rig back, I mean, he worked for Yezu for many years. He's the one that wrote all the documentation and the, yeah, uh, converted it uh, into, into English. And uh, there, there you go, man. Yeah. But uh, he's worked for, uh, he's worked at Heil Sound and uh, CQ and Yezu and uh, a lot of other companies. And uh, if you guys want to check his uh, bio out, just go to his, uh, uh, QRZ page. His call is uh, uh, K7JA. K7JA is the call. You can look him up there and to give you a little uh, history and background on, on his jobs and all the things he accomplished uh, during his lifetime. So we're going to greatly miss him. Uh, makes you think. Uh, let's have fun with him radio while we can. Uh, I think Chip was... Uh, Chip was 73, and I, I'm, not, I'm not sure why he passed away, uh, what happened. I think it was fairly sudden, but 73 years old, I hope that was young. I mean, my age is 75, so uh, I might need to start thinking about doing more ham radio myself here and, and having a lot more fun, I think. But, uh, hey, um, that's the thing about ham radio. It just it brings a lot of uh, neat fun into your life and i know uh chip uh had it uh with his wife there uh janet and uh they got to travel all around the, the world and uh do ham radio yeah that's just cool yeah let's see i'm trying to get uh okay well I guess that's looking all right there. Okay, well, guys, it's about 9.27 here. Woo, it's been a long night. I, You know, I'm about ready for some popcorn or something. Um, well, what about you, Glenn? You, uh, you ready well, for a snack? I, I'm ready for a snack, and, of course, uh, the cat's getting restless. Um, yeah. She, she is feeling good. Uh, she doesn't understand why she has to stay in a cage. So the next three weeks are going to be a lot of fun. But she has to stay locked up for three weeks until the surgery all heals. All right. Well, take so, care of them there. And, uh, you yeah, know, give me some popcorn and just watch now, TV. Now let, me, let me ask you now, is, is your employer giving you the day off because, no. of, because of the, uh, the cats here? I mean, are they, are they like? Are they like uh, children? No. Um, I fortunately have a job that allows me to work from home. Oh, and okay. uh, so for this time being, 
uh, for this week. Um, I only go to the office two days a week as it is because of the COVID and uh-huh. just desk space in general. Um, so uh, all of my tasks can be done remotely. So uh, for this week, I'm going to be working from home. And so I have a, a kennel for the cat in here, a, a nice show kennel that uh, is nice and roomy for her. And so I set her down where she can see me and, uh, you know, I, I get my work done when she's, you know, she's usually drugged up and relaxing, but it's evening and she's kind of getting antsy because she's, she's used to having me around. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Popcorn and TV. We'll, we'll do it. All right. Well, hey, let me make an announcement here. Uh, we're getting close to the end of the show, actually. Uh, Hey, guys, you've been watching and listening to Amateur Radio Roundtable. It's been a show about ham radio, electronics, and uh, shortwave. And uh, we just want you to uh, join our Facebook group, if you will. Our Facebook group is called W5KUB. Join us us, uh, there and also uh, hit that subscribe. I can't do it here. Let's see. Do it here. Hit that subscribe button right there. That'll help you subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can see uh, shows that we put on here. And if you're out there listening on WBCQ shortwave, you're listening on Thursday afternoon between 5 and 7 p.m. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email to tom at w5kub.com. Love to hear from you and tell us where you are and how you're hearing the station there. All right. Well, uh, I, I still hadn't figured out what you brought me back from Dayton yet, man. A bunch but, of the hats. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, you just saying that. I know it was something a lot better. <laughs> yeah, I know that. you just saying that. You didn't want everybody to, you know, know. Well, you know. well see, now here's the problem. I did bring you something back, but uh, I really wasn't going to say it on the air, but yeah. um, the cat ate it, and that's why oh, the surgery. No. So oh, no, man. we're kind of. Kind of waiting for it to uh, <laughs> make its grand entrance. Yeah. All right. Well, you know. It'll oh, be man. disguised well, in the form of a hairball. Yeah, it, it happens. It happens, man. Now, did you have to take the cat to the vet to get the hairball out? Couldn't uh, you reach in there and get it? I mean, No, unfortunately not. Um, we were actually at the uh, over near you at the yeah. uh, Memphis Veterinary Specialist, and they had a... Uh, a special uh, team of surgeons do the work for her. Oh man. Yeah. And that was wow. on Sunday. So yeah, we, they wow. got paid overtime. Have you got cat insurance? No, I don't. Oh um, boy. Yeah. I'll tell but, you, man. you know, the good news is she's healthy and everybody's happy with her progress. Everything's fine. And yeah. uh, it's just having a cat that doesn't want to be locked up locked up and when you're dealing with a Maine Coon you're dealing with a very strong bull-headed kind of cat and so um, she's already figured a way to get the the collar you know the the cone off of her head she's already done that once mm. so and that was on her first day home so but you gotta give her another volume yeah, yeah. but it's, yeah, unfortunately we still have a few more hours before she gets her next volume 
Uh, you so know, we'll we, give it to her a little early, a little early. Hey, no, I, I just fed her on the break, so she'll I noticed, be uh, set. I noticed some people were mentioning the Huntsville in the chat room earlier. Uh, yeah. Man, can't wait. It's a, it's a good one, man. Huntsville. Yeah, it's I've a, got my my room reserved. I'm going to be doing a forum. I don't know what day, but yeah. I will be doing a forum. I'm hoping to put together a new one. Um, the one in Dayton went over extremely well, but you know me, I don't like to do the same thing twice. So I'm looking to put together a new Arduino forum for Huntsville. And, okay. Uh, I, I can't swear that I'm going to be able to do that, but that's what's mm. in the cards right now. Yeah, I was contacted by uh, by uh, Mark and Art there at uh, at uh, Huntsville. We confirmed. Yep, we'll be there. Uh, we've been going now for twenty or more years, and uh, we feel like we're part of their group here. And oh uh, yeah, I love Huntsville. Art, yeah. Uh, we got some new vendors coming back that uh, I think uh, didn't weren't here the last year or two. Well, I maybe was. Let's see, was the A2 not there last year? I don't think Kenwood was there last year. Yeah, I think one of the big radio vendors they're coming back this year. Yeah, uh, I'm not so, sure if Yesu. No, Yesu was there last year. Yeah, I think they were. So yeah. yeah, so they're uh, they're we're already working on the layout, the floor plan layout for all the spaces there, and uh, not sure where we'll be yet. Normally we're up by the stage, but uh, just uh, wherever they put us, we'll be fine, and we're going to have fun. We'll be webcasting again, and we'll try to have a lot more prizes this year, uh, more than we did for for Dayton this year. You know, Dayton we only had a one day webcast, uh, Hamvich. I mean, um, uh, the Huntsville Hamfest will it'll be two days friday and saturday no is that right no not friday it's saturday and sunday it's saturday and sunday it's saturday and sunday friday yeah. is a setup day friday is a setup day so i go over friday yeah. and usually spend yeah. the day at the space and rocket center or do something around town and then oh yeah yeah do the ham fest saturday and sunday so we we all we, we've been going down on thursday now so i can I mean i can be right number one in line uh friday morning when they open that door you know to drive the truck inside you mentioned the Space Center. I know Brett's coming. Mm -hmm. uh, he he, he uh, said he had reservations. He's coming now. They want to go out to Space Center. Uh, hey, I, I'm telling you, the Space Center, you could spend most of the day out there. There's a lot oh, to yes. see. Oh, a yes. Lot to see. And also, let me just say this. Now, don't be surprised, but uh, it's kind of costly, some of the things. If you paid for everything you want to do out there at the Space Center, it might it's probably going to cost you more than a hamvention might cost you. I don't know. Well, probably, but you know, yeah. it's, it's fun. I mean, it's, oh yeah. you know, it, I, I mean, I, I, I went for my first time just before COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I just dearly loved it. And, uh, of course that was one of the first things I did once the ham fest started back up. And, uh, like I say, I go over Friday morning. And so I spend, you know, as soon there, I'm generally there about 10 or 11 Friday, do the, the space and rocket center and then go get some dinner and just hit the sack early. So I'm ready for the ham fest in the morning. And then afterwards, you know, generally we're both so tired and, or I'm so tired and everything that I'm staying over Sunday might as yeah. well. And you know, yeah, stay yeah. for the, and that's the reason we just stay Sunday too, just to relax. Yes. We, we don't want to pack up and head home, you know, Sunday. It's a afternoon. nice leisurely yeah. drive home. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty nice there. But yeah, oh, but that's not see. until August. I don't think I've got a ham fest on the books until August now. 
Yeah, yeah. Now, if you come up with some more nearby, let me know. I, I want to try to hit some of the, the the more local ones. You know, if they're within a few, you know a couple hundred miles or something, I'd like to go to them. You know. Yeah. The big thing is I've got to get the book done. This book is due on October first, and that's really yeah. where my focus is right now. Yeah. All right. Hey, stand by just a second. We'll be right uh -huh. back, guys. We're not going anywhere. We're going to take just a thirty second, a sixty second break here. Got cabin fever? Look no further. Spring is in the air, and ICOM has just what you're looking for. We have top quality base stations, mobiles, and handhelds that are perfect for working your favorite bands. Want to catch a sneak peek at our upcoming IC905 SHF release? See it at our booth at the Dayton Hamvention. ICOM's newest amateur FM transceiver is the IC V3500. With a compact body and simple interface, this radio is a must for those looking for a long-range mobile with a fresh look. The ICT-10 is a rugged portable that meets or exceeds standard military testing. With an IP67 waterproof rating, the ICT-10 can withstand any field activities ahead. Hear transmissions and listen to FM broadcast with the loud 1500 milliwatt speaker. The IC7300 is a high-performance innovative HF transceiver the compact design that will far exceed your expectations. This innovative HF transceiver digitizes RF before various transceiver stages, reducing inherent noise in different IF stages. The IC7300 changes the way entry-level HF is designed. Visit www.icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information on ICOM radios. All right, and we are back. And I'm getting ready for popcorn, man. I'm getting hungry. Yeah, popcorn sounds good. Yeah, okay. Hey, thanks to everybody for joining us tonight. I uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, it was kind of a remembrance of our friend uh, Chip Margelli, K7JA, and his life and all the things that he, uh, he, he did for all the hams and ham radio. Uh, amazing guy. And, Absolutely. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll miss him. Good night to everybody. Save me three. You don't know what that means. That means best regards. Let's 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 stay here one more minute. Let's start an argument. Let's start an argument. <laughs> oh God, seventy three versus seventy threes. Yeah, is it seventy threes or seventy three? Now come on, chat well, room. What is it? Seventy three or seventy threes? Which is which is okay to say? Well, see, you're not going to get an argument out of me because I'm old school. I'm 73. Well, I'm 73s, and I'm old school. Yeah. Hey, what? Hey, hey, what's old Herman Maxim? What are the, what's the guy's name? Uh, I, I saw a QSL card he wrote in like 1901. He had 73s on it. Well, I mean, I mean there you go. If that's it, what he did, that's your definitive answer. There he is. I mean, the guy that basically invented ham radio, he said 73s. So I yeah. know that'll start a big argument. There's going to be yeah. people in the chat room right now that will argue that, you know, they're going to say know, at the end of the day, yeah. uh, at the end of the day, you're only arguing over three little dits. Is it really yeah, you worth are. it? Yeah, you are. You know, I, I know they're going to say, well, you're saying best regards. is, well, I can't even say it. Best regards is best regards is. I, I, yeah, whatever. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. But at okay. the end of the day, it's this. It's kind of like Christmas presents. It's the sentiment, not the 
exact detail of it. Yeah. And, you know, again, we're obsessing on the wrong things in that regard, I think. You know, just and 80, 88 is love and kisses. So what is 88? Love and kisses is. Well, that'll get you slapped. Yeah, it will. It will. You got to, you got to watch it, man. Especially this day and age. So no. Yeah. yeah 88s right. need All to right. go away. I figured I'd get, I'd stir up the chat room really bad here. There's a few of them in there talking yeah, about it. They know what, they know what we're talking about. All right. So look, I'm just going to, I'm just going to say this. Good night to everybody. It's 73s to everyone out there. 73, y'all. Good night. <laughs>